2: The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. I'm Marcello Rolando, your host. My guest today is Dan Elash, Ph.D., uh we're going to talk about strategic mentoring, but I think we're going to talk about a lot more than that, or at least we're going to understand all that strategic mentoring includes. Because for over 35 years, Dr. Dan Elash, and Dan, by the way, hello and welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> for over 35 years, as I was saying, Dr. Dan Elash has been a, a leader in visionary counseling and strategic thinking assisting business organizations, groups, and individuals realize their full potentials. Uh, Two books, one on leadership imperatives, and the other, I believe, is entitled Doing It Right, Realizing Your Company's Potential. And then there's Dan's clinical work. Uh, So it seems to me, Dr. Elash, it doesn't sound like the word mentor is big enough to describe what you do. Are you, are you part behavioral scientist and part business consultant, or how would you describe your expertise, plural? <laughs> well, I have
3: a PhD in clinical psychology mm-hmm. and started
0: life as a psychotherapist. Uh-huh. Uh, wound up having a number of business owners or executives in my clinical practice And I found that people were much more responsive to making changes in the business world than they were in making them in their personal life.
2: So you're not just a you're not a numbers cruncher. It's not the bottom line view includes the, the humanity of it. I know somewhere I read you, you said that uh, you, you often have to tell the people you work for uh, in order to help their their companies or even their individual uh, goals and, and uh, strategies that you have to teach them how not to, um, I didn't, you didn't use this word, but I how not to dummy down their IQ. So leaders who make their followers less uh, intellectually alert. How's that? Well, that, that, that's pretty good. What I really have seen over
0: the years is how so many leaders discourage their employees from thinking as effectively as they can, for being as innovative as they might, or for really offering up suggestions and ideas to improve what the boss or the leader has decided. Mm-hmm. Um, with companies is the difference between competitive thinking and collaborative thinking. Uh Competitive thinking is really where one idea wins, Mm. and often that's the most articulate. Oftentimes it's the vice president of sales or marketing, Mm
3: -hmm. or it's the, the CEO or owner
0: who is the dominant. Mm. Uh, or gets criticized or gets ridiculed for failure or gets I- invited to comment or participate and then ignored mm. all of which wind up leading people to learn to shut up mm. in those meetings to not offer, to not climb out on the limb to really play things very cautiously the opposite is com- collaborative thinking where people learn how to think together. It's not one idea
3: wins, it's how do we take the best elements of everybody's thinking, Mm -hmm. Yes. What what you have in a
0: family business is that mom and dad have a tough time transitioning power to their children. Mm. Um,
3: you know, when you've worked your whole life for something and you remember the adolescent temper tantrums and the idiot decisions your kids <laughs> made when they were young, yes. it's tough to think about turning over your future
2: income stream to their management. Yes. Yes.
0: or too rebellious, too feisty, too willing to fight.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And sometimes the parents or the family board members don't really know that either. Mm-hmm. They're looking at the world from the perspective that's made them successful in the past. Sure.
0: is a critical piece of a business's, a growing business's success. Again, another phrase I wind up using a great deal
3: is that leading is teaching. Mm, yes.
0: To do that, is that part of my job? I know, mm-hmm. and
3: they
0: start massaging their job description, their role, mm-hmm. into something that fits their comfort zone, or they fit the way they fulfill their role in terms of where their strengths are, what's comfortable for them.
3: Yet, the company has paid for the whole brain, yes, yes. Of
0: let me give you back 25% of your dollars and benefits. Mm. They just renegotiate their end of the deal. Mm-hmm. Companies having
2: paid, and I, I don't want to make this sound like I'm talking about exploiting their workers. Mm. I'm really talking about you're paying somebody to come to work for you and to think about how they do their job. But you're also saying, it seems to me, you or you've said earlier, it's how you inspire that team the people you hire to do collaborative thinking and and i think part of i think part of collaborative thinking i think i mentioned to you when we first met i had to teach myself a lot of things in my new radio career because radio was different years ago before when i did radio and There are a lot of talent around but one of the great differences in radio is that they're different stations, they're all doing their own thing, they don't necessarily, they're not connected in a way that we walk across the hall and I know what you're doing so I can help you do it. I am curious by nature and I love learning new things, how do you advise the organizations, the companies? To inspire that sort of thing in the people they hire, is that part of collaborative thinking, feeling them out, or, or is it a question of not suppressing independent thinking? How's that? No, it, it it's both. Uh-huh. It is primarily the former. It is really helping
0: people understand has a value proposition.
3: Mm.
0: Every company feels like here's what we're in business to do. Mm-hmm. can do it this way or that way, it's going to be six I'm gonna be successful, it's gonna satisfy
3: my customers, it's gonna draw new people to me. Mm-hmm. Yet that's a big vision, that's a big picture vision. Yes. Oftentimes when they hire people to go to work for them, they don't share that vision.
0: They don't help the new employee understand their particular role in mm-hmm. it takes helping to orient a new person Mm -hmm. or a young person,
3: a a junior person in the organization to the thinking of the senior leadership Mm -hmm. and that everyone who goes to work for you with every transaction
2: they conduct in your name either raises or lowers the value of your brand. Yes. in the marketplace. Absolutely.
3: and think about the strategy they want for the company in the next three to five years. Mm-hmm. And they wrestle, and depending on how collaborative or how competitive the thinking is, yes. many of them, or one or two of them, really craft the vision going forward. but the people whom they supervise. No one's held those leaders or managers accountable for rolling down the reasoning Hmm. of why this is our strategy of what we're supposed to accomplish with it. It's more like they're told what it is and how to fulfill it. Ah. The
0: the people who have no buy-in or who may not understand
3: that way mhm company.
0: Working together to
3: row the
2: boat the same direction. Yes. People row against each other. Dr. Dan Elash, I'm going to have to interrupt. We need to take a commercial break. Stay with us. We are speaking with Dr. Dan Elash, PhD, on strategic mentoring. And again, in my opinion, the definition of that is all of what we're talking about it goes in many directions and certainly deep, deep into many necessary collaborative levels of approaching our lives as well as our professions stay with us we'll be right back with dr dan elash
1: and now another film rental discovery welcome to the indie film minute We've all had the experience of passing a homeless man or woman, arm extended for spare change, futilely seeking eye contact. We may not even acknowledge anyone is there at all. In Time Out of Mind, Richard Gere is George Hammond, a man living the homeless life. But we hear his name only begrudgingly well into the movie, and we never get more than a glimpse of his story. Apparently he once had a house, a wife, a good job, insurance. But it's not really relevant and there's a daughter we catch sight of occasionally, working as a bartender. It's not his identity or his past that Gere and his writer-director Oren Moverman want us to see. It's his invisibility. We don't exist, he cries out to a fellow street person convincingly played by Ben Vereen. During the hidden camera filming, Gear stood for long periods in crowded New York. Dressed in secondhand clothing without makeup or disguise, he begged for change. No one recognized him. Long on Gears' wish list and done on a shoestring budget, Time Out of Mind is a powerful portrait of the downtrodden human beings we choose not to see. Time Out of Mind. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. We hope you enjoyed the Indie Film Minute. Visit us at IndieFilmminute.com to share your thoughts, suggest films, or even to submit your own review.
2: Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. My guest today, Dr. Elash, Ph.D. Uh, we are talking about strategic mentoring, and although I think all of his answers have been explaining that term, uh, he, uh, uh, Dan wants to make certain we understand. He's going to make it even clearer. The strategic mentoring as opposed to what other kind of mentoring. Talk to us, Dan.
0: That's confusing for people between mentoring and coaching mm-hmm. and uh, managing. Yes, uh, there's a, there's a little bit of all of it. You know, you're teaching some particular skills or a particular a particular mindset
3: that works within a company today. You're coaching somebody by helping them to get better at doing those tasks. Gotcha. But mentoring is more about giving them a. Broader perspective
0: of not only the purpose for doing that today, Mm
3: -hmm. but really the role
0: that knowledge can provide going into the future. Gotcha. We're looking at multiple possible futures. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? And how do we anticipate what's going to happen? Mm. And how do we prepare to have the skills? to address what actually
3: happens mm.
0: out of a welter of possibilities.
3: Exactly. So it's
0: strategic in, in, in a couple of senses. One is there is a broader vision and purpose to it mm-hmm. more than just directing somebody to do something differently. There's also uh, the fact that you're building the capability of your organization being in a nonprofit. profit entity, be it professional practice, be it a business or family enterprise, what you're doing is training and developing the people who work there to be able to deliver more value simply by how they deliver their work, how Mm. they think about what they do. Mm -hmm. You know, professional football team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, have a coach called Mike Tomlin
3: mm-hmm. is his name,
0: and he talks about his philosophy is that everybody on the team is should be ready to play
3: every week, mm-hmm.
0: that the starters are the starters, but if someone gets hurt,
2: the next man up yes. is expected to fill that role as well as anyone else. Yes
0: that doesn't happen accidentally it happens deliberately Mm -hmm. it happens with the coaching and the teaching it happens in a very focused and deliberate fashion by not letting your people uh, assume as much responsibility as they can handle Mm -hmm.
3: by not allowing people to learn from their mistakes
0: by not coaching someone through difficult task. They don't get any better.
3: Mm, mm-hmm. And the next time, uh, you know, if, if the boss
0: comes in and tells you how to put out this fire, the next time there's a fire, people will look or wait for the boss to come and tell them how to do it again.
3: Gotcha. In a family business,
0: you often have the, uh, the, the, the managing partners family, maybe his sister comes to him and says, you know, I think you really ought to give my son Frank a job as IT
3: manager because he loves computers and he's on his computer all the time. Hmm. Uh, And (laughs) you might look and say, oh my god, my sister's idiot kid Frank running our IT department? (laughs) Uh, Oh,
0: that'll never work. To which she says, you never did like me. Mm. You never did like my kids. What do you have against us? How come this is always about your family and not mine? Mm. With that ambiguity, without a clear standard of what we're trying to accomplish, of one of the requirements for fulfilling the role that the company needs now and going into the future,
3: mm-hmm.
0: then the yes, no, no, answers really become arbitrary or seem arbitrary.
3: Mm-hmm. There are
0: certainly grounds for uh, emotional conflict or fight. So what we help companies do is before it's an issue, we identify what are the core competencies that, a, that this role requires mm. no matter who's in it. Mm-hmm. Going into the future, we want to spell out what those competencies are. And we want to then assess potential candidates within the family business, within the family, Mm -hmm. or even from outside the family if no one is ready to step into that role. We want to assess them against those requirements. And then to mentor them to grow their judgment, their savvy, their thinking, their problem solving, in line with what, the company is going to need Mm -hmm. from someone in that role moving into the future then you can go to your sister and say you know I'd love to make Frank the head of our IT department but we have this standard we have these requirements Mm -hmm. can he do these things and then it's not arbitrarily rejecting her because it's her it's the standard that's laying out the requirements mm-hmm. for whether or not someone fits the role. That, whether it's in a family business or whether it's a privately held company or or a publicly traded company,
3: mm-hmm. the
0: issue is, is always are you developing your own replacement? Mm-hmm. In many companies, the human nature of in the management staff is to protect themselves and protect their jobs by making themselves indispensable. By being the only person that knows how to solve this Mm. problem or that problem or I'm the go-to person here or there.
3: Mm -hmm. The trouble is if
2: there's nobody growing behind them,
0: then the company is weaker and if it grows in scope and size and complexity,
3: Mm
0: -hmm. where that current manager has
2: more to do than they can handle, there's no one prepared to backfill,
0: to step in, to assume those duties and responsibilities.
2: How does that that point, Dan, how does that specific point, if if indeed it does, is there a connection there in that that conflict between uh, evolution and revolution?
0: whose culture is highly competitive, mm-hmm. then it's somebody's going to win and the others are going to lose. Yes. And I have to protect myself when the ethos ought to be that I'm here to fight for the company. Yes, yes. I'm here to do what will make us most successful. hmm So it's building the collaborative culture, it's building the collaborative spirit, it's helping people understand, but there's something much deeper. I believe that for most human beings, we want to go to work and be seen by our peers, by our colleagues
2: as a valuable contributor to the team. Yes. Yes. And
0: if we are made to feel appreciated... If we are valued, if we are entrusted, we tend to be much
3: more open and collaborative and sharing.
0: Yes.
2: If we are not given
0: an opportunity, if we're told to do as we're told, if I want your opinion, I'll give it to you, or Mm. some other cliched, kind of old-timey response, people get protective. People get careful, guarded about their position. They don't feel... Their intrinsic worth, they feel that
3: what keeps them there in their job is that they know something other people don't know. Mm -hmm. So they have a tendency to
0: hoard knowledge Hmm. rather than share
2: knowledge. Oh, wow. I don't think I've ever heard it put quite that way. Wow, that's good, Dan. And it it winds
0: up really hamstringing the company long term. Yes,
3: of course. You,
0: You really have to. Build a high-performance team if you're going to succeed in today's world because it's not the local IGA independent grocery association grocery store that sets the customer expectations
3: mm-hmm. it's Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or Amazon or yes. Walmart yes that teaches a customer what they should expect hmm and it's the
0: small or mid-sized companies' job to fill a niche by doing stuff that the big
3: guys don't want to do or really can't do. Mm -hmm.
0: It's capitalizing on the intimacy of Mm -hmm. your neighborhood, of your customer base. It's really developing that connection that makes you a viable alternative. But you have to and your people have to understand
3: that the customer is being educated Mm -hmm. as to
0: what they can expect in terms of service, in terms of delivery, in terms of timeliness, in terms of uh, consideration, in terms of
2: choice. Mm -hmm. And And you
0: can no longer just be the best guy in your neighborhood, the best person in your small town. You have to be world class.
3: Yes in your ability to deliver value if you want to
0: take customers away from those internet giants or those uh, massive international corporations.
2: So, those are people that you're competing against in many ways mm-hmm. in today's world. Exactly. This is so grand. I just want to get a, a, a few things that I know are specifics for you, like how, how and why should we embrace pain it may seem like a shift but i i just see it and i and i want to hook that to what i hear you saying we tell the customer the client what to expect of us and that becomes our brand and then of course we must deliver on that and must evolve that because sooner or later someone's going to come along and do what we do but with another hook, uh, 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 another wrinkle, and then the customer learns that. So, how do we, how do we deal with those things? I know that's like three or four questions together, but I know you can handle it. Well,
0: it, it is what you ask. How, about
2: embracing pain? Yes. Okay. Um,
0: look, pain is a gift from God mm. or nature, however
2: you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Without pain, we would be in constant danger yes of uh, a catastrophic
0: accident or illness the only way you could tell that your the burner was hot was when you smelled the flesh burning yes if you didn't feel pain yes pain is a signal that says oh my gosh do something different do it quick Mm-hmm. When we deal with things in a corporate sense, when we deal with things in a personal and a psychological sense, we often look to avoid experiencing pain,
3: Mm -hmm. to
0: minimize it, to not Mm -hmm. feel it. It's uncomfortable.
3: Mm -hmm. It
0: pushes us to do something
3: differently. Mm -hmm.
0: And if we don't know what else to do, If we don't know what to do instead we tend to avoid situations that are painful Mm -hmm. avoid situations that are threatening Mm
3: -hmm.
0: avoid situations where we might get feedback or consequences that we don't like Mm -hmm. and so you know you often find a culture of blame developing in a company. Uh-huh. Well, it's not my fault if those other guys just would have did this or that.
2: Yes. Or I didn't know.
0: It's like I, I raised five boys, and as adolescents, they had an incredible ability to know almost nothing about why
3: they behaved the way they did. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah. You know, why'd you do
3: that? I don't know. <laughs> find that
0: in the business world as well, yes. a little more sophisticated,
3: maybe, mm-hmm. but where people
0: stay quiet, they don't stretch, they don't reach to learn, to improve, to get better, to profit from their mistakes.
3: Mm.
0: You know, the military has a process called an after-action review, yes. where they take the initiatives that a
3: unit or a team may embark on Mm -hmm. and when it's over they
0: sit down and they ask themselves basically six questions Mm. what did we start out to do Yes. what did we actually do Mm -hmm. why is there a
3: gap Mm -hmm.
0: going forward which we do more of less of or different Mm. next time you don't I have not run into particularly small and mid-sized businesses that do that kind of rigorous examination of what they try to do, what they actually do, and to honestly look at why is there a gap.
2: And but you call that a value gap, yes? Yes. Uh-huh. And,
0: and, and you wind up doing more of the same mm. if you don't learn from your
2: experience. Yes. I wonder, I I want to, this really isn't a change of subject, but uh, as a director primarily in New York City, I and teacher, uh, when I would teach on-camera classes, one of the things I would stress to the actors, all the technique and on-camera and all that's great, but when you go to an audition, that's where you either get hired or not, and one of the things that you need to do in addition to all the little technical things I've told you, hit the mark, do, you know, know uh-huh. know how to introduce yourself all of that, is that you have to recognize what I think you call toxic people. I never said that. I used to call them just actors negative actors. Because well, there you're, are a lot of euphemisms for Yeah. Toxic e- people. Exactly. So I um, well, sort of think repeating on the radio. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I have to say, I would tell those actors, don't when, the moment you realize you're sitting next to a negative actor complaining about the business or whatever, move somewhere else to prep yourself. So tell us in your world, these toxic people, how do we identify them? Maybe especially during election seasons, but certainly in the workplace. And what is your solution? What do we do when we identify a toxic person?
0: Let me just give you the 50,000-foot overview. Okay. Everybody has a variety of skills and experiences. Mm -hmm. And when we hire somebody, we often sort through the resumes to see who has what skills, who has what experience. However, what the average business person or the average business owner doesn't appreciate is that a third element is the character
3: Mm. of the candidate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That
0: we deliver our work energy, our knowledge, and our experience through the vehicle of our personality. Yes. And the fact of the matter is not all people are created equal Mm. in that sense.
3: Mm -hmm. There are people who are...
0: You know, the, the clinical term would be they have personality disorders, mm-hmm.
3: uh,
0: the psychopaths, the, uh, the
2: people who are so depressed, who yeah. are so self-pitying, yes. people who see themselves as victims, yes. come in and they bring that mindset, they bring that attitude yes. to
0: work with them. Yes. We assume everybody's going to be mature, everybody's going to be grown up, and we get amazed when we hire somebody who turns into a gossip mm. or a backstabber,
3: mm. mm-hmm.
0: who competes for attention, who is narcissistic. Uh, and it's incumbent upon the people doing the selection
3: mm-hmm. to
0: recognize the indicators of those characteristics because if that's who we are it's generally tough to mask that in any extended time we spend together mm-hmm. uh, those things will
3: show yes.
0: and I try to teach businesses how to recognize the telltale signs
3: mm. of somebody who isn't going to come in with just the normal range of pluses and minuses sure. come in with a, a, the typical amount of of
0: maturity and responsibility and conscientiousness. Mm -hmm. But to identify the danger signs that someone... See themselves as a victim in life, mm-hmm. and you can guarantee they're going to see themselves as a victim in your company as well.
2: All right. We, uh, we, I'm going to have to jump in there, uh, Dr. Dan Elash. Tell us about your company. We have to go. Give us a website where we can get a hold of you, uh, find out more about what you and your company does, Facebook, whatever, so we can reach out to you.
0: Strategic mentoring. us and our Facebook page is strategic mentoring um, you can get a hold of me at D. Elash at strategic mentoring.com and we have a collection of mentors it's not just myself but we have a A diverse group of people Mm. who have experience in teaching and coaching and mentoring who have come together and are looking to provide you with the resources the experience, the tools you might need to have the best impact on your people and what you want your people to learn so uh, you can look for that, you can google Daniel Elash PhD and see a number of the articles
3: that I've written. Mm-hmm. I've written many that
0: deal with the problems I've run into when consulting with
3: companies. Yes.
0: Um, that that seems
3: to be a very fertile field for my imagination
0: mm-hmm. and I try to take those specific situations and turn them into general principles in the, the writing that I do.
2: Alright speaking. All right, Dan, I guess we better run. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so very much for being on the show, and all the best to you. Well, I've enjoyed the opportunity to talk to you and to your listeners. Huh. I look forward to doing it again sometime. You got it. Bye now. Thanks. Uh-huh. Bye-bye.
0: We'll see you, Martello.
1: Okay. Stay with us, as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. Another Film Rental Discovery.
2: Welcome to the Indie
1: Film Minute.
2: Some films are such milestones of artistic cinematic history that they demand to be seen over and over again. Each time we do, layers peel away, gradually revealing a story that could be happening right now, next door, or even in our own hearts and minds. Such a film is Federico Fellini's La Dolce Vita, shot in Rome in 1960. It was one of the first films to reveal the dark decadence of post-war European society, as well as a preview of what may become of us all. With all that, it managed to be a comedy. La Dolce Vita, or The Sweet Life, features Marcello Mastroianni as the self-loathing gossip columnist Marcello Rubini, a role that would make him instantly famous. Rubini is an everyman on a quest for love and happiness in a society of rapidly disintegrating values. In his own quirky style, Fellini treats this world with a frankness that shocked, infuriated, and delighted audiences of the day. The orgies may be tamed by modern standards, but the famous seduction in the Fountain of Trevi with the stunningly beautiful Anita Eckberg remains as sexy as ever. La Dolce Vita is a satirical expose of society's shallowness and emptiness, revelations we continue to ignore. La Dolce Vita, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the reasonable voice. Thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Independence derailed by denial and alternative facts. People get ready, their trains coming. One from station realization and the other the madness of King Trump's McConnell courtiers. One fueled by self-righteousness, the other empowered by the foundation of hope each destined to trigger signaling switches at our national station in life. On the left track, the express train, pulling in somewhat disabled, but on time. On the right side of the platform, the local, running late in support of Congress debilitating Medicaid, while serving up hacking passes on a gouty tray. This is not a railway do-over race against billionaire pharmaceutical and health insurance hot shots, for each train clickety-clacks along its track of choice with independently designated timetables for transporting and transferring passengers. But it is a journey to the township of truth be told. How many more will choose to get on board, left or right, and how many will continue to opt out to straddle the third rail is up to free will but increasingly there's room on the right to elbow through the crowd of boisterous wingers. Across the platform, however, the express line increases capacity for healthy realization. The hypocrisy of politically protecting those without economic needs, punching truth with extreme projectiles from podium of real fake news, is too much baggage for the trip to reason ultimately destination for both trains is the same but like bull run and manassas labelled alternatively the home of the brave and make america great again none the less when each train reaches their base of the y on the track to future the direction chosen can foreshadow the life journey yet left to live reflect a life destined for the rails, or just reveal how much time one chooses to be taken for a ride. Passengers bombing foreign children, denying needy American children, or emulating money changers of old, be prepared for blinking lights ahead. Warning! Conductors may yet demand, show me the money, whether in your pack suits, offshore accounts, or MIA tax returns. Instead of election draining change, constructive compromise was annihilated, and independent investigative thinking exposed evolution of recycled disabling disgust for differences. On the Express, all are welcome to share nurturing through curiosity and enlightened perception and preparation for the bullet train's coming Disabling of America by opiate addiction. Denying health quality for Medicaid expansion. MIA executive orders to preserve, protect, and defend the United States of America from hacking by foreign and domestic powers both known and unknown Malafort and Kushner travel mates sway sixty percent of americans to detrain at stations assuring benefits for pre-existing conditions opiate overdose prevention and medicare for all at the deborah lipstadt versus david irving avenue stop passengers can transfer to the local for alternative facts on track forty five However, switching to right expect delays in the Trump Tunnel of Secrets, where preyed-on infrastructure is endangered by flin-flam and Russian roulette. Boarding for the land of the Donald Free, however, passengers can adapt for more positive options to secrecy and polarizing resistance, because all the express stops left support muller's probe for truth and accelerate focus on issues that unite us family life economic liberty and the pursuit of personal happiness isn't that why we boarded the train to independence none the less when very nice people put their faith in those faking out all of us truth and justice appear as a blur flashing by our window seat unless trained by the mental health of dr benjamin franklin we hang together. Passengers respecting justice for all don't need a ticket to board the express to progress, but caution. Since European emigrants invaded Native Americans, choosing between being a citizen voting for responsibility and ethics on all railroads to Washington versus heading the wrong way on the right track has too often required a disproportionate sacrifice by hyphenated Americans, particularly women, LGBTQ, the disabled and economically disadvantaged, blessed with color. Yet it is not enough to redundantly media headline political podium puppets without streaming, we are the engine driving the train. As a nation, for all our devices, Too often we choose to ride the rails most attention-deprived, but denial is more a magazine cover delusion than solution. For unity, you just get on board. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.